366, an innovative space for anyone involved in education, whether it be teacher, student, parent, or community member. Okay, so hi, Jennifer. Hi, Amanda. Hey, hi. <laughs> we are back today with a very special guest, a somebody I'm proud to call friend, somebody who I admire very much, who ed energizes me, but also holds me accountable in such a such a friendly, honest, giving, humble way. And um, so I want you guys to meet my friend, Dr. Tony Robinson. Welcome, Tony. Thank you, Ashley. Hello, Jennifer. Hey, Amanda. Hi. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. Hi, Tony. Thank We're so happy you're here. You. And, Tony, I just, as a personal um, thank you, I just want to say thank you in advance for sharing sharing your expertise and your enthusiasm and your excitement with us. I know I know this is this is a mission of yours. Yeah, it, is, it absolutely is, Ashley. I got to tell you, I, um, I really appreciate the opportunity to do it, to realize who I am. I've shared with you before that many successful organizations have a very clear mission and I found that people do as well. And so part of my personal mission is to create positive change in individuals, organizations, and communities. So I'm, I'm delighted to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. Absolutely. So for our view, I know a lot about you, but could you give our listeners just a kind of a flavor of your background, where you've come from, where you are now, um, so they understand where your expertise is? Yeah, absolutely. I should be happy to do that. So uh, just from an academic uh, perspective, I you know, had a career in academia, undergrad in finance, MBA, uh, and, mat and a master's in organizational change, master's of science in organizational change, and a PhD in strategy with an emphasis in entrepreneurship and innovation. So I, I started um, work many years in industry, but at some point I was reached out to by KPMG and asked to, to consider getting into academia. Uh, and, and part of the goal there was the way that you change business, uh, meaning make it more diverse, is by changing the classroom. The way you change the back of the classroom is by changing the front of the classroom. And so getting into academia was also aligned with that personal mission to create positive change by seeing more, more diverse individuals in the classroom. So I. I and taught for a number of years and published and went through all of that fun stuff and was happy to do that. And all of all the time, academia had been, uh, not academia, but industry had been reaching out to me about getting back into industry because I was that weird person who could teach or do. And so it really was just a choice. And I thought, you know, this is the time to make a change in industry. And so I took an industry role. Now I, I uh, serve as a director at Rural Sourcing here in Augusta, Georgia. And in that role, I am responsible for over 100 software developers who are located here in Augusta, Georgia. And I like to say in that role, I have over 100 bosses because my job is to help ensure that they are all positioned for wild success. Oh my gosh, that is a lot. And you're yeah. right, 100 bosses. I love it. Yes. Yeah. So I... I I heard you say that really one of your your focuses, and I'm assuming you know, in in with all your bosses, it's really helping get their best out of them, help them them lift them up so that they can realize their best self and produce their best work. Um, tell me about. I heard you mention entrepreneurship in specific. Yeah. Tell us about your passion for that, and it, and could you kind of 
help our audience understand what entrepreneurship is all about. Yeah, so a significant passion in entrepreneurship and have done a lot of research. In fact, much of the research that I'd published previously was in entrepreneurship. For me, it's, uh, it, it also is intertwined with a few other things, a few other passions for me, marketing and strategy. Those things are all critical. Entrepreneurship in a nutshell, from an academic perspective, uh, encompasses all of the disciplines in business, finance, marketing, operations, HR, all of those things, because as an entrepreneur, you wear that hat and you do that. From an industry point of view, entrepreneurship is um, at the macro level, it's about economic growth. Um, at a micro level, it involves an entrepreneur, an individual who creates business. And so entrepreneurship is the process of creating a business and taking on that risk so that you can enjoy the rewards. There are a lot of rewards of working for an organization. Someone else took on that risk to create that organization. If you are the entrepreneur, you take on the risk to identify the resources, the individuals and the financial resources necessary to get that thing up and running. And it's, it often involves innovation, creating something new. Because if it's already out there and if someone is already selling it, what makes you different? What makes you special? And in fact, as an entrepreneur, you often have to compete against large organizations who already have a brand. This is where the marketing is really important. You somehow have to destabilize the market to create space for yourself as an entrepreneur. So there's a lot of risk, but there's also a lot of reward. Yeah, and I, I think that that's super important that people understand. I mean, it is risk, but so much reward. And it's calculated, though, isn't it? It's not just wild risk. Yes, I think you're so correct. It's interesting, too, in a lot of my research and also just in the world, you can see risk is perceived differently by different individuals. If you ask someone to jump over, you know, a two feet space and it's on the ground, most everyone will say, yeah, I can jump two feet. But if you then take that same two feet distance and you say it's from one cliff to the next and there's a hundred foot drop, I would perceive that as incredibly risky and say, wow, that two, that same two foot jump that I was doing on the ground yeah. is different. So many entrepreneurs are comfortable with the risk, but to your point, Ashley, it is thoughtful, calculated risk. The ones who take the risk without calculating the chances for success, without doing their work, often fail. But I have to say this too, most entrepreneurs fail initially before they succeed. So all these great success stories that we're hearing, the risks were calculated and still sometimes there's a chance for failure uh, before you get to success. And so, uh, you know, believe it or not, I, I, Amanda was going to ask one more question here, but I have a follow-up one more to that yeah. because you brought up failure. And, mm -hmm. and, and as a STEM and STEAM educator, that is a key piece for me. And a lot of people mm -hmm. are going to wonder, okay, this podcast is about education, it's about STEM and STEAM, and so why are you talking about entrepreneurship and business and ugh, what, what's going on with that? Um, tell me about the failure piece, please, because it's important. It's critically important. Look, a lot of these principles are relevant to all people in all aspects of their lives. As an individual, you need to be comfortable with the possibility of failure. That's the only way that you'll take those chances. Young people tend to be less risk averse and are more comfortable in their skins. Um, as we get older, we lose sometimes that childlike curiosity 
We lose the willingness to go out on the limb and take a chance. Um, but I'm telling you, it's really important in education for young people, but even for entrepreneurs and adults. It's so important, I, uh, and I'm so passionate about entrepreneurship, that I flew out to Silicon Valley years ago. And I went to Stanford's D School, design school, and I met with entrepreneurs and I met with investors. And there was one theme across the board, particularly with investors. They often said, we don't invest in startups where the entrepreneurs hadn't previously fail failed, hadn't previously experienced failure because those individuals don't know what they don't know and they're dangerous to our money. And so failure is part of the learning process. The key is don't fail the same way going forward. Take your lumps, learn from it and, and improve. That's true for young people in STEAM, STEM, and across the board. 100% is, and that's the whole heart and soul of STEM education is that design process. It's putting young people in those positions so yeah. that they can fail and can learn and can get back up and can do it again. So, yeah. oh gosh. Okay, Amanda, I thank you for your grace. <laughs> I just had to get that. You're welcome, you're welcome. So to get a little bit more technical, you know, I'm sure in your career, you have given many pitches, you have heard many pitches. Could you um, explain to our listeners exactly what a pitch is in the world of entrepreneurship? Yeah, so that's a great question, Amanda. There, there are many kinds of pitches I'm going to talk about too. The first one I'm going to talk about is much briefer. It's an elevator pitch. It is, hey, you're on the 13th floor and you're going to go down to the first floor with someone in the elevator and you have an opportunity to tell your story. That is very important for an entrepreneur. Those elevator pitches are often organized design and practice. By the way, we as individuals should have our elevator pitches. As a student, we should have our elevator pitch. We should be able to tell our story. The broader pitch, the one that most people are more familiar with and the ones that you often see on shows like Shark Tank are more about pitching your startup. And that's a lot more structured. It often involves a group of um, presentation slides. But the main takeaway there is that that is your opportunity to tell the story about your startup and also to secure uh, investments or funding. And so to do that, there are a couple of elements that have to be in the pitch. I'll tell you some, some mistakes a lot of people make is they, they often have too many words on the slide. The slides don't tell your stories, you do. Better to use graphics and a few words to help the audience um, pay attention to it. The other challenge is that sometimes individuals doing the pitch have way too many slides. You don't really need more than 20 slides. 20 is already, you're hitting the ceiling in terms of the number of slides that you should have. Between 10, 15, up to 20 is an appropriate number. But there's some really important pieces, Amanda, in the pitch that you need to have. You want to solve a problem and you need to make sure that that is clear in the pitch. We all have really good ideas, but if those ideas don't meet a market need, then they're just good ideas that the investors won't see as being investable in. So you need to talk about what the, uh, what the problem is you're solving. You need to talk about the size of the market. Small businesses and startups or entrepreneurship are different. Small businesses don't have the desire for growth. When people invest money, they're often expecting growth. So you need to be able to tell in your pitch that the market is very large. You need to be very frugal and talk about your finances. 
what do I need as an entrepreneur to get started? And then what are the uh, pro forma uh, expectations going forward in terms of income expenses and those kinds of things? So you want to be able to talk about that. But, and there's some other pieces, but Amanda, probably one of the most critical elements of any pitch is the team. Investors don't invest in ideas. They invest in people. And they need to see that on your team, you have a diverse group of individuals who collectively bring together a, 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 a unique set of skills that will allow you to execute. The startup is what? The team explains how. Investors need to believe that your team can actually execute this idea and grow in the way that you're presenting in this pitch. I have goosebumps. I can't stand it. <laughs> Amanda, you're a business major. You're working on this yes. for your graduate degree. What are you thinking? Well, I was just about to say, interestingly enough, yesterday in my graduate course, we talked about how important elevator pitches are, especially as a graduate student trying to get into an internship, into a business, into your career. It's very important. Um, yeah. And to expand on it a little bit, can you tell us why students should learn about entrepreneurship? I mean, kind of when you think about that term, you think of somebody who is an adult already established, maybe into their career, but why at the student level should we learn about it? Because you get to learn so much. As an entrepreneur, you have to wear many, many, many hats. And so you need to understand the finances. You need to understand HR. You need to understand operations. You need to understand marketing. You need to be able to keep up with your books, your accounting. You need to understand all of those things. And from a strategy point of view, you need to know how you're going to win. You need to have a clearly articulated and codified competitive advantage, something that makes you different compared to everyone else, someone that makes uh, a, a potential customer stand up and say, wow, I see you and I want to do business with you. Entrepreneurship is one of those courses, one of those concepts that brings all of that together and shows how they're all interlinked. You will go to an accounting class and that's a silo of accounting and you'll go to a marketing class and it's a silo and so on and so forth. Entrepreneurship brings that all together, totally. but in an interesting way, goes beyond theory and concept. You have to compete. You have to win. You got to pull it all together to find a way to win. And a really important piece there is this notion of innovation, the ability to bring something new to the market that adds value. It's not just an, a new idea, right? It's not just an invention. It's innovation. It adds value to the market. So entrepreneurship really allows you to do all those things. And by the way, whether you want to be an entrepreneur or not, being able to walk into a business and understand how all of the moving pieces are inter interconnected and to be able to say to a business owner, I have a new idea and I'd, I'd love to pitch this idea to you, to, you, to you and see if this adds any value. That's called intrapreneurship. And those people add value. And Amanda, I'll tell you, whenever I taught, this is what I told students. People in the real world don't pay you for what you know. They pay you for what you can do. If you can add value, you can capture value in the way of a job, in the way of a merit increase, in the way of a promotion, in the way of an opportunity to lead a major initiative in your organization. People pay you for what you can do. Entrepreneurship teaches you how to do those things. Wow, I could listen to you all day. 
I'm gonna go, I'm gonna keep going on this entrepreneurship thing because I'm I'm drawing a lot of parallels between I'm actually in Dr. Guess's graduate course right now, and we are learning about um, backwards design as far as our curriculum is concerned. And a lot of what I'm hearing from you is, you know, as an entrepreneur, you have this site, you have the end in mind, you see what you want to do, and then you have to figure out how to get there and design it so that you can get there. Um, and really these individual silos, like you were talking about are really our different subjects that we're putting into our kids, um, you know, as they're kind of going through school. So I've got all these ideas going. It's great yes. over here. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, Dr. Guess is really excited right now. So with with pulling that all together now between your business mind and, and our, you know, education background, why should the business community get involved with K-12 schooling? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question, Jennifer. Um, there, there are many reasons. First of all, um, it adds value to a major community partner, right? If we look at our talent pool, the opportunities in Augusta in any community, it is based on the existing talent pool. I'm part of that older school that's been around for a while, that's been doing it. So um, my responsibility is to pour back into these schools to bring up the next group of talented individuals who are going to help us get to an entirely different level. And the way that you can do that is by becoming intimately involved with and engaged with K-12. The other uh, important piece is selfishly, selfishly, we get something from it. Like it is, it is meaningful to be able to walk into a classroom and to connect with students where they are and to be able to offer ideas and suggestions about what they're currently doing and to help them as individuals to get to, a, to another level. And then the other really important piece is they give something to us. Look, the reality is that kids today know more things about design and the digital transformation and social media and all these things than we ever could. They are part of that innovative group who are at the cutting edge of all things that are happening in our society. And so by businesses walking into the classrooms, they get to connect with this potentially future talent, but they also get to get ideas today that can be relevant for their businesses and their practices. Absolutely. And what would you say to teachers out there listening right now? How can we get you? Well, maybe not you, but how can we get, how can we find those businesses to get interested to help in helping? Yeah, Man, that's Tony, I want to I want to tag off that really quick because let me frame it. Teachers in the K-12 are petrified to do this. And yeah. if they do it, they come to businesses a lot of times and say, okay, come talk to my kids. Yeah. Come come talk to them. And the business is like, well, what do you want us to talk about? I mean, how can we help? They, they're not the teacher, right? Yes, yes. So help the teacher get over this hump. Help them. Yeah, so it's a great questions, both Jennifer and Ashley, great way to frame it. The key is for every decision that you make, there should be a purpose, right? There should be a goal. What are you trying to accomplish? So based on the teaching, the curriculum that you have, there are some things that you wanna accomplish. Uh, so figure out what your goal is, what you're trying to accomplish. By the way, there are many ways to learn. Conceptual learning is certainly one, but experiential learning is an entirely different one that adds a whole bunch of value. And, and you'll find that your students are more engaged if you bring in people from industry to talk to it. Now, as a teacher, you got to figure out your curriculum. You have to figure out and determine your learning goals and then say, who do I need to bring in to accomplish these things? Once you've 
once you understand that, then you can say to the business person, hey, I want to pre uh, create a little context, provide a little context and tell you that these are the things that we've been learning the last couple of weeks. Can you come in and speak to these things uh, generically? And that business person will say, yes, I'm excited. I'm delighted to share what I know with your students to help them to get to an entirely different level. And they would be delighted to do it. You just need a little bit of context based on the learning goals that you have. And by the way, you can do this for anything. You can do this for math. You can do this for basically anything because business is everywhere and it permeates all aspects of learning and education. So there's an opportunity to do this anywhere. It just requires a little bit of foresight. You know, uh, uh, as Jennifer mentioned, thinking about the end goal and then bringing in the teacher to say, help me to accomplish this one sliver. And you'll find a lot of people in the business world willing and able to do that. Yeah, that's great. That's exciting to know. So teachers out there, don't be afraid. So now um, changing the subject just a little bit, um, we've talked a lot about entrepreneurship. We've talked a little bit about education. Now, why did you decide to get involved with us here at Steamify? And why did you choose Steamify? Well, that's, that's a very good question. I got a really simple answer. Dr. Ashley Guess. <laughs> I, mean, I met Dr. Guess and just was so inspired by her, her mission. Talk about a personal mission. Uh, it's very real for Dr. Guess. And so that was you know, the introduction for me and met with her a few times. And I think after the first time I was like, yes, count me in, whatever you need to do. And then to add to that, just the passion, Jennifer, that you and Amanda and the entire team have around Steamify. Um, Steamify is certainly about uh, enhancing STEM and STEAM education, but it goes beyond that. Um, we have uh, an underrepresentation of certain groups in STEAM and Steamify, uh, STEAM and STEM jobs. And Steamify speaks directly to that. I mean, we there, there are young girls, young women who are more than capable, but may not have a platform to share their interests in, their, in areas of expertise, just as there are young boys and young men who are all also interested. So just to know about Ashley's passion, to know about the clear mission and vision for the organization, I thought this is a very effective way for me to channel my efforts to support a group that's having a huge impact. Steamify is not just about Augusta, Georgia. It's across the state of Georgia. Thousands of students from across the state of Georgia come together and have an opportunity to compete in a very friendly environment and a very fun environment that is also educational. So I was moved instantaneously about that opportunity and jumped at it. And you know, um, I, 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 very few people can make me speechless, but you can hear me right now. I'm like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> because I'm just grateful. I'm grateful. Thank you. Um, you know, the, what, what Dr. Robinson won't tell you is he sat me down at the very beginning. We had lunch and he's like, here you, here you go. You need to work on this because this is going to help you. You need to work on your personal mission. You need to get the statement together. You know, he has been, you know, just counseling me, and it's truly awesome because he's part of the team. You know what I mean? His expertise and my expertise come well together, and we're exemplifying exactly what we want students to do. We're doing it, you know. And what what I guess a lot of people don't know, and I don't even know if Dr. Robinson knows this, but this year you know we're having a modified steamify because of covid but we are implementing something very special 
we want kids at the end of their performances to make a pitch. Nice. And the reason we want that is because we want them to be mission focused. We yeah. want them to, to really solidify and bring it down, crystallize their purpose because yeah. they come to us with a purpose. And yeah. we want to hear that purpose, not just in their performance, but in how they speak to us. So um, we're excited to hear his counsel, his teaching about what that pitch should look like. And of course, we're going to give give specific instructions on the Steamify website, but you heard it here first, how to do it and what's important. So I think that's super, super exciting. Love it. We're, love it. Love yeah, it. Love we're going to bring that, that entrepreneurship thing in. in a list of, <laughs> because it's design-based, it's just the same. Agreed. Um, so, Tony, what what have we not asked you about that you need to tell us? <laughs> that is a good question. Okay, let me think. <laughs> three minutes. What? I mean, really, truly, and all joking aside, what have we not explored with you that you feel is really important to tell our listeners at this stage? Yeah, I, I think we've really covered a lot. You know, the, the other thing that I would add, uh, anytime you're doing any kind of presentation, anytime, and, and, and the cool thing about Steamify is there are many, many presentations. Anytime you're doing any kind of presentation, you know, the marketing side of Tony wants to make sure that everyone understands people don't necessarily remember bullet points, right? A bunch of bullet points and a bunch of slides, they don't necessarily remember. Most people remember a great story. So there is great, profound power in effective storytelling. And you can use that just about anywhere, in any classroom, in any business setting, in any pitch, in any design class. The ability to tell great stories that weave in the key concepts that you want woven in, that is an art. And so a lot of young people have that. I would say don't lose that. Cultivate that that is going to allow you to have a competitive advantage compared to others who can't tell great stories and understand part of telling a great story is knowing your audience and knowing the message, the message that you wanna communicate and the most effective way to get that message across. So I, I would just reiterate the profound power of effective storytelling for just about anything that you want to accomplish. Great advice. Thank you so much for your time today. My pleasure. I thoroughly enjoyed it, Dr. Guest. Thank you so much. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you, Jennifer. Really enjoyed Thank it. Thank you, Tony. Good to see Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast this week. And make sure to tune in next week on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all other major listening platforms. For a podcast schedule, just Google Augusta University, room 366. We also want to give a huge thank you to our sponsors, the South Carolina After School Alliance and Steamify. Without them, none of this would be possible. See you next time.